Hello everybody, and welcome to episode 18 of the Inkwell Gamers Podcast. Today, we are going over Emerald in Rise of the Floodborne. We are going to be doing the set review, just like we have for Amethyst and Amber so far. But first, let's get to the grading scale. How do we grade these cards, Dana? Alright, so we grade them on a scale of S being the best, then going down A, B, C, D... So S, you couldn't imagine cutting from your deck. You would play four of in every deck with this color. Very high power level, something like Rapunzel gifted with healing from the first set. Then you have A, which consists of one of the best cards in that color, a high power level. We'll play in most decks. There might be a few archetypes that might not want it, or at least all four, depending on the strategy of that particular deck, like Stitch Rockstar, it could also be the best cards that cause you to build around it, something like Big Elsa. Then we have B, which consists of solid role players. It could be four in a lot of decks just due to their inkability and ink costs, but maybe not necessarily super high power, something like Minnie Mouse, always classy. Or B could also be cards that are a higher power level that are role players, but maybe not inkable or expensive. So it would be hard to play in some archetypes or maybe a lot of copies of something like Ursula Power Hungry. And then we have C, which will take very specific decks to make playable, but could have niche applications like Dinglehopper. And then lastly, we have D, which is mostly unplayable cards, ones like Healing Glow. So with that being said, are you ready to jump in, Dalton? Dana, let's do this. This is going to be a lot of fun because this is your favorite color. It's my favorite color. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited about it. A lot of cards in here that I already want to incorporate into my deck. So it'll be fun. Absolutely. Why don't you start us off? All right. So the first card that we have is Arthur Trained Swordsman. This is an inkable four drop, a four, three, quests for two... And that's it. So I graded Arthur at a B. Honestly, I think the card's stat line and questing capabilities are pretty standard for its ink cost and ink ability. There aren't other four drops that are exactly like this one, but they might vary just based on like one strength or willpower is swapped or both stats are the same and maybe just quests for one, whatever. Nonetheless, I just think it's, it's pretty standard. So I just gave it a B, nothing super impressive, but I could see this getting some play. What about you? Yeah, I'm going to give this one a C. It could be a, a D to me just because I don't think that that one extra point of strength is going to make it any better than the Emerald Hans that we have just because mm -hmm. he quests for one more. And that is mostly what Emerald is about, is just racking up lore as fast as possible. So I'd rather just have the green Hans. Gotcha. All right, so next we have a really exciting card. We have Beast Relentless. It is an inkable six cost character that has a four five quest for two and it has the ability second wind. Whenever an opposing character is damaged, you may ready this character. Wow. Yeah. So Beast is, it's in the running for what could be one of the most powerful or best cards in the set, in my opinion. I'm going to give it... I'm probably going to give it an A because I think you have to make your deck specific towards it. Mm -hmm. You really have to build around it. 
but I think if you can do that with a lot of really strong steel cards, then he'll be really powerful. He can sing Grab Your Swords and then Quest because uh, dealing that damage readies him, and then maybe you run out of damage cards, and you can just sing a whole new world with them, and then you have like a Fire the Cannons and another Grab Your Sword. So there's just a lot of powerful interactions that I think the Beast can do. The, the hardest part for him is just going to be sticking around on the board the turn you play him because there is just so much removal in the format. I'm not sure how often he'll be around, but if someone can figure this deck out and I'm going to be trying to, it will be very strong. I went in pretty strong. I just went for the gusto and gave him an S. I think it's going to see a lot of play in different types of decks. You have a deck that would be paired with steel, like you described. I could see it being paired also with like an amber healing deck and just keep using him over and over and maybe using some of the healing cards in that and get a couple of challenges out of him as well. Like, I, d I don't know. I just, I could see him in a couple different decks. And so because of that, I gave him an S. Yeah, something that also works really well with him is the White Rabbit's Pocket Watch. Just giving him the ability to challenge the turn he comes into play. So you can challenge something, then ready him and kind of keep him safe. So he has that immediate impact on the board that you don't normally get. Or you can just challenge multiple things down because he's reasonably statted. I think he's going to be really strong eventually, but I just don't see him in every deck. All right, next we have Bell Bookworm. It is a uninkable three drop, a two, four, quests for one, and has the ability use your imagination. While an opponent has no cards in their hand, this character gets plus two lore. I gave this a grade with a contingency. Okay. So this is hard because I know that we're trying to grade on cards standalone, but we also have to take into consideration what they would be getting used for if they were to be getting played. On her own, I think it would be a C or a D because I just feel like her ability, you would have to put it in a very specific deck, like a, like a discard deck to be able to use her ability. However, because of the next card we're going to talk about, I think that would be the only reason why this card would be getting played is to shift the next one that the archer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so a grader, are you going to give it? I gave it a, a B just because I know that I would personally have to put her in my deck because I really want to play Archer. Yeah, I am going to give this one a D. I don't really think the payoff is there. It's kind of situational. I think Belle Hidden Archer is going to be really strong just by herself. And this being uninkable means it's just kind of clunky. It doesn't really have a great stat line. It doesn't affect the board in a meaningful way. So yeah, I just... I wouldn't even play with Bell Archer, which is what we're going to talk about next. Bell, this Bell, is a 5-cost uninkable 3-3 three, three with shift 3. It quests for 3 and it has thorny arrows. Whenever this character is challenged, the challenging character's player discards all the cards in their hand. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that is a really powerful line of text. So, the one issue that I have with Bell is that they just make all the good emerald cards uninkable it seems like yeah uh so you can't put a lot of them into your deck not only that but there's there's like there's like 10 different options for five cost inkable cards yeah. and you already have cusco at yeah. a five drop that's uninkable yeah and 
you already have Mad Hatter. There is going to be three or four more that we talk about later. So, and a lot of those are inkable. So that kind of makes it tough on Belle, but I still think that her ability is going to be really powerful. It kind of falls off into the, the late game a little bit when your opponent doesn't really have cards in their hand. Mm -hmm. But if you can play this on turn five or... Heck, maybe you are Sapphire and you can play it on turn four. Then you start to have a... That ability has a really big impact. Mm-hmm. Ass. <laughs> <laughs> I gave her an ass. A, I, by the way. A. Oh, A for you. Yeah. S for me. I am so excited to get my hands on this card. And we've talked time and time again about how Emerald tends to have characters. They're good ones. With this de-incentivization when challenging them like Cusco and like Cheshire, and this falls right in line with it as well. And I will definitely be putting four of these in my deck. Yeah, absolutely. Really powerful card. I'm kind of nervous to play against it, to be honest. You should be, because yeah, I'd be playing you. <laughs> I know, <laughs> that's right. All right, next we have Bucky Squirrel Squeak Tutor. Squeakity squeaketh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did I know you were going to be doing that? I don't know. <laughs> It's just so good. <laughs> oh, God. Um, an inkable two drop, a 1-1, one, one, quest for one, has ward, and also squeak. Whenever you play a Floodborne character, each opponent chooses and discards a card. What you got for me? Huh. I, I don't know. This one I have a hard time with. So it's going to be very reminiscent of what an enchantment would look like in Magic, where it just kind of sits there you're almost never going to quest with it unless like you're getting to 20 that turn because it's just so flimsy it's going to get challenged by literally everything mm -hmm. um so it's just going to kind of sit there and we need multiple cheaper floodborne characters in order for this to really work now we do have a couple good ones in Flynn and Bell Hidden Archer so I don't know I'm going to give it a I'm going to give it, oh gosh, I'm struggling. I'm going to give it an A. Wow. I I know. I, th I think that because it has ward, that's just going to make it very annoying for a lot of your opponents to deal with. And if you can get them to discard two or three cards, then that's worth your two ink, I think. So you're thinking to play this card and literally never quest with it or challenge, obviously, and it just sits there for its ability of the Floodborne character. Yep, you're, it's just going to sit there. You're going to play uh, Flynn Rider on, maybe you shift it on turn three and they discard a card. Or you just play it on turn four, they discard a card. You play Bell Hen Archer on turn five, they discard another card. Yeah, I, I think that, or maybe you shift the Cheshire Cat at some point as mm -hmm. well. I think that in combination with a lot of the other discard tools these colors have, this color has, can really add up and be kind of powerful that being said i i am giving it an a but I, I do think you have to build around it and you know make your deck specific to this so i don't know it's tough well i was opposite i gave this a c mm -hmm. like yeah it has ward but there are other cards that see play that work around ward mm -hmm. when it has the whole area of effect mm -hmm. like tink's gonna people are gonna play tink and tink's gonna come out and it's gonna be gone or grab your sword, it's going to be gone. And plus, I think you would need, obviously, the Floodborne characters in your deck for this to even... 
I just don't see that there are enough Floodborne characters for you to really reap the benefit of him. So, yeah. I don't know. That's why I gave him a C. Well, in each two color combination, I think there's for a nine, 12 Floodborne characters now. So you you have a lot of different options throughout the different color combinations. And yeah, I don't know. I, I could be wrong. I'm willing to be wrong on this one. I just think there are just some decks that Ruby Amethyst Control, for example, they can literally never get this card off the board until turn seven. And by that time, you've made them discard multiple cards. And they might not even have the the ink to cast be prepared, and that could be really annoying. There are some decks that are just going to have a really hard time dealing with it. I think. Steals the exception, right? right. Steals the the one with grab your swords and Tinkerbell. But most other higher end control decks that aren't steel, I think, just aren't going to have a way to interact with it. Okay, fair enough. I didn't honestly think about your point of view until you presented it, so that makes sense. I might. I might change my mind. I'll, I'll at least, I know you have it at an A. I might move mine up to a B. I still feel like it's, I don't know. Yeah. I still feel like you have to have a sufficient amount of good Floodborne characters that you're playing, but I could now see its benefit, sure. Yeah. No, I, I, I get where you're coming from too. It could just be a dud. You know, that's... Only time <laughs> will tell. Only time will tell. Next one, we have Cheshire Cat, Always Grinning. It is a two-drop inkable character that quests for one and is a 3-2. It's a solid B, reasonable stats, quest for one. It's It just is what it is. Same for me, solid B, fine stat line. Honestly, would play it for the shift Cheshire that we're getting ready to talk about. So Yeah, why don't you talk about it? All righty. So Cheshire Cat from the Shadows, an inkable eight-drop. 5-6, quests for 2, shifts for 5, has evasive, and you can exert it to banish chosen damaged character. What do you have this one at? <sighs> I'm going... I'm going to say a B. I just don't know how many of these you can actually play. I think it is really powerful. Mm -hmm. And if you are playing like a steel deck that has beast in it and a lot of those... Uh, area of effect yeah. with Tinkerbell and Grab Your Swords, then this thing can just kind of sit on the board and just start picking off your opponent's characters. That's really strong. And if there's nothing that's that threatening to you, it's just a big body that's that's evasive and, and quests for two every turn. So I think this one's really powerful. I gave it a B as well because I think it's powerful as well. I wouldn't necessarily say I'd build my deck around this one enough to give it an A or an S, but yeah, I I definitely will consider try to figure out a way to put this one in. Yeah, if like you have the B deck put together, I think this one fits right in there just as a complementary threat that you know can kind of help keep your opponents opponents board clear. For sure. All right, next we have Daisy Duck Secret Agent an inkable four drop two three quests for two and has thwart whenever this character quests each opponent chooses and discards a card first look at her i was like oh she's an a but in all reality i think a stat line of two three isn't really big enough to last more than a turn or two and may or may not make a favorable trade to whoever's challenging it and especially because for that stat line and only being a four drop I don't know. I do like how she has that de-incentivization though, again, but I think it's slightly worse than like Amber's Prince Philip, and that didn't really get a whole lot of attention in the first set. 
Plus, he's a 3-3 and she's a 2-3. And his ability does seem more powerful than hers. So, I don't know. I might even, as I talk myself through it, I might drop it down to a C. But, <laughs> I don't know. What about you? So, I think I'm... I think I'm going to give her an A, and the reason being is that Emerald just does not have any, and this is actually one of the issues with, not really an issue, but just a recurring thing in Lorcana is that there aren't a lot of really powerful four-cost characters besides Rapunzel, and this is a four-cost character, because I feel like what always happened whenever I watched you play is that most of the time on turn four, you were still just playing one of your million different three-drop characters. Or Jafar. Or Jafar, but I mean... Other than him, I didn't yeah, have it's, any. It's like yeah, you had Tink and Jafar. Jafar didn't necessarily always fit the game plan. I think this one is better at fitting the game plan just because it quests for one more. And... There are definitely a couple discard synergies in this set that, and in this color that we'll talk about that make it really powerful. If you ever get a second quest out of this thing, then you're probably going to run away with the game just because as soon as you start taking away that many resources with one card, it kind of starts adding up to where you'll be able to get more resources from your opponent just because they're so limited on options. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of snowballing in that way. But yeah, so I, I think this one's a pretty good four-cost character. Okay. Yeah, so next we have Donald Duck, Perfect Gentleman. It is an inkable four-cost character. It is a 2-5. He quests for two, has shift three, and has allow me. At the start of your turn, each player may draw a card. Dana, what did you give Donnie? So I gave him a B. I think although there is currently only one cheaper Donald character, that's in another color for where you'd be able to shift him onto. Um, that's in another color. So that makes it a little bit more challenging because if you want to see him earlier, you would have to be limited to that combination. But I think his card draw ability is enticing enough to consider just playing him anyway. What did you give him? I'm going to give him a B too. I... I think he's pretty good. So in Magic, the biggest issue with this kind of symmetrical effect is that traditionally each player has drawn a card at the end of your turn. So you were the last player to get to use the card initially. Here, you both draw cards at the same time at the beginning of your turn. And since it's your turn, you get to use that card. And... I think that could combo really well with cards like Daisy Duck, just because you're keeping your opponent's options limited still, right? Like, you go up a card, but you're questing, making them discard a card, so they still don't have as many options. Uh, that being said, I, I'm still just going to give them a B. I, I don't know if the discard deck's going to be good, and... I'm not even, like, I think this might be just the one player in that deck. The other thing about Emerald is that they're probably the best color at turning cards into lore. So if you just have more cards than your opponent, you are more like, or if you're just drawing a lot more cards, you're more likely to get to 20 lore faster than your opponent just because your cards are generally better at questing. Mm -hmm. So that's something to think about too. All right, next we have Donald Duck, Sleepwalker, an inkable three drop, a 
0-5, quests for one, and has Startled Awake. Whenever you play an action, this character gets plus two strength this turn. I gave him a D. <laughs> Same. We can oh. probably move on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, he's, he's not very good. Yeah. The, the, the biggest problem with this Donald Duck is that on your opponent's turn, he's just a zero five, can't defend himself very well. So it... And it's not like Cheshire Cat, where even though Cheshire Cat has zero strength, it still has the ability that when it gets banished, it still banishes. Like, you're not making a favorable trade with this one, so... Yeah, this one's just not very good. Yeah. All right, so next we have Dr. Facilier Fortune Teller. He's a seven-cost inkable, a 4-4. He quests for three, has evasive, and you're in my world. Whenever this character quests, chosen opposing character can't quest during their next turn. I actually really like this one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to give this one an A. I think it's just so much better than what Mother Gothel was trying to be. Mm-hmm. It quests for three, so it quests for a lot. It's evasive, so it's hard to deal with. It can challenge characters because it's a 4-4. Four, four. It's inkable, so it has that flexibility that a lot of the other Emerald cards don't have. And you can get some control over what your opponent's doing through its ability. And the great thing about that is, like, they can't quest, but they can't challenge this thing either because he's evasive. So their character just has to do nothing. Mm -hmm. So I also gave him an A. Like you said, he's better than Mother Gothel. I didn't even play Mother Gothel in my deck. I also slightly compared him to like genie on the job because in my head genie on the job is evasive as well even though it's a six cost obviously but like yeah genie's bouncing ability is strong but sometimes as we've seen there are sometimes characters where they have an ability that enters upon play so i hesitated like wanting to bounce those anyway plus you have mother knows best I think not allowing opponents to quest the next turn is strong to where I might consider taking Genie out to possibly add this card in instead. Plus, in the previous set, I played Amethyst with Emerald, and I put Elsa in my deck for a similar reason of, like, yeah, she exerted characters and they couldn't unexert, but the whole point was that they couldn't really, you're making them not be able to do anything. And he kind of fills that role as well. Mm-hmm. especially because I'm considering to abandon Amethyst and maybe try a different color. This would be kind of like a nice, I don't know, like a nice little mix, a little a little flavor of all of the cards I played and I did like. I don't know. Yeah, but A. Yeah, his biggest challenge is going to be the same thing as the Beast in that he doesn't do anything when he comes into play. He's just a giant threat. But I think that him being inkable and having that versatility might make him a little more popular than Genie, maybe. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right, next we have Enchantress. Unexpected Judge is a two-cost inkable character, a 1-1 one, one that quests for two, and it has true form. While being challenged, this character gets plus two strength. I gave this one an A. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think she's really good. Like, the biggest issue with something like Flynn Rider is that it doesn't trade with anything on turn two or hardly ever. Right. So you just end up behind on board. Whereas this will trade with most cheap characters that challenge into it. You're still getting the same amount lower as with Flynn Rider. I think it's just an upgrade over that card so much. Yeah, for sure. I'm right there with you. I gave 
her an A as well. I kind of forgot about Flynn for a hot minute. I was thinking that she was kind of up there with like the Lilo and Pinocchio star attraction, but is just stronger when being challenged. Cause like you said, she can make favorable trades with those two twos or the one threes where it's not just the card dying, but you getting rid of that as well. So yeah, I gave it an A. Yeah, that that's a really strong one. Really strong two drop. Very excited for that one. Yeah. For you. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> All right, next we have Flynn Rider, Confident Vagabond, an Inkable One Drop, one three, Quest for One, Vanilla. I gave this one a B. It's just an Emerald Olaf, in my opinion. So yep. it's a B. It has some upside over Olaf because the next card we're talking about, though. Go ahead. All right. Flynn Rider, his own biggest fan. An uninkable four drop, two, three, quest for four, shifts for two, evasive, and has one last big score. This character gets minus one lore for each card in your opponent's hands. I might be wrong on this, but I gave it like a CD. I think it would need a discard deck to make this character playable. Otherwise, you're putting out a two three character on turn four or shift on turn two or whatever but can't do anything so unless unless it has that triggered ability so i gave it like a cd all right yeah i'm going to give this one in a i think it is strong enough that if you were to build a deck around it, it would be very good. I can definitely see playing like Amber, you shift this thing on turn two, sing sudden, chill, or whatever, make them discard a card. Next turn you play Prince John, which is another card we'll talk about here in a few minutes. And then on turn four, you play You Have Forgotten Me, they discard two cards, they don't have very many resources left, and you can just start questing for two, three, and four very quickly. I think it is very powerful. I really wish they <laughs> wouldn't print cards that <laughs> make you actively really want to discard cards from your opponent's hand just because I don't think that's necessarily the best experience. But here we are. Interesting. I do, I, I do think that, honestly, I could see you wanting to play this card at some point as an Emerald card because I think it, it, might, it might be that good. Also, it might not be, but I think it might be. All right, next one. We have Gaston, Scheming Suitor. is a two-cost, thinkable one-three. Quest for one, it has, yes, I'm intimidating. Whenever one or more opponents have no cards in their hand, this character gets plus three strength. I am going to give this one a D. I gave it a C. Probably should give it a D. I just think its ability is just too niche for me. Yeah, its stats aren't there. And then even when you have completed your quest of making your opponent no cards in hand, the payoff isn't really there either, so I don't like it. All right, next we have Little John, loyal fan. He's a six-cost inkable, 6-6, six, six, quest for two, and that's it. I think he is a C or a D. And, you know, we did see... What was he? What was it? Kronk? He got a little bit of play in Steel Decks as a maybe you're a two or three of sometimes. But now that we have a second set added, I just think cards like that are just not going to be powerful enough. And I don't see ever playing this over the Beast if you have access to that card. And I think that's the biggest issue with it. The Beast is just significantly more powerful mm -hmm. so yeah i i 
think just looking at the two cards, it's just a D. So I give it a C. I think it's a big boy. <laughs> um, although it's vanilla, it at least trades with Maui, which I know is a huge thing that you always preached is, did it survive the Maui test? It trades with it and gets it off the board. So you at least have that. But even if you don't see Maui, there aren't very many other characters that are powerful like Maui that would really scare me to play this card. So I think you could get away with a couple of questing with it or just using it to maybe get rid of your opponent's threat that might not have as strong of a strength but maybe a big booty so yeah it it is definitely a big body so if you're playing something like rapunzel that might make this more appealing and in all reality whenever i played against the steel amber decks i just kept telling myself like i just wish i had something that can get rid of that rapunzel completely because i don't want to leave anything half damaged when playing against them obviously because it's a healing deck so all right, next we have Lucifer Cunning Cat, an uninkable five drop, a two two, quest for two, and has Mouse Catcher. Whenever you play this character, each opponent chooses and discards either two cards or one action card. What did you give the kitty cat? I'm going to give this one an A. Hmm. So I think that it is possible this card is better than Bell. It has the immediate impact when it comes into play. You're going to get two characters or, you know, maybe you get their be prepared or their let it go, whatever their action they have is, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they do have the choice, but you're still getting a card at least. It is a little small and it's not inkable, which again is the issue with Emerald cards, but it's still quest for, for a couple I, I think it's going to give Belle a run for its money because its effect is immediate. Mm-hmm. I graded this a little conservatively. I gave it a B. I do think it's a good card, but I think for it being a five cost and inkable when we already have a lot of good five costs in Emerald, it's a little too squishy for me being a 2-2. Two, two. And a lot of five cost uninkables at that. So Right. But anytime you can make yourself have a card advantage over your opponent I think that that's obviously something to consider putting into your deck and think about if this was paired with amethyst and the new bounce cards and you just like do the ability and then put down one of the amethyst ones that bring it back or whatever have you swap it yeah it would I mean if put into that deck I would hold that to an a or an s obviously but yeah I I am probably should have graded it higher than a B, but I think I was a little... There's so much competition for There's it. a lot of competition for it, and to be honest, I was I was a little worried that if I graded too many Emerald cards high, that you would be like, Dana, you're being, you're being biased. <laughs> you have a little bit of a bias. <laughs> no. All right. All right, so next we have Pain. Underworld Imp is a two-cost uninkable. One for the quest for one with the ability. Coming, your luck... Whatever that word is, I don't know. What is it, Dana? <laughs> I think he says it like lugubriousness. Lugubriousness. In lugubriousness. The yeah, that seems like a word. Either way, he, uh, while his character has five or more strength, he gets plus two lore. I gave this one a D. 
I was nice and I gave it a C, but it probably should be a D. I think yeah. this card is obviously only good with Panic just because, I mean, we have to get, we'll get into him next, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's not playable unless you're playing the other one. It, the, the big issue with it is that when it has five strength, like, what's the point of its ability? You're just questing and then its strength doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. But then if you challenge when it does have five strength, then its ability doesn't do anything. So it it really doesn't even make sense, to be honest. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, it, it just does not work with itself, and I hate it. Next, we have Panic. The other Underworld Lamp is an uninkable three-cost character. He has a two-three quest for two, and it has I Can Handle It. When you play this character, chosen character gets plus two strength this turn. If the chosen character is named Pain, he gets plus four instead so the combo's there but unfortunately pain is bad <laughs> right i gave panic a b i think obviously although this card works with pain i think when you compare the two it's just it could stand alone by itself better similar to like how we saw flotsam and jetsam in set one and really just one was better than the other <laughs> so i think that it's a similar situation that we have going on here Yep, definitely think it's the better of the two. We saw how good Meg's ability could be. And this is that on a better body, better sizing, quest for more, better standalone card. The only issue is that it's not inkable, but, you know, I still think it's going to see some play and uh, probably one or two numbers. I'll give it a B. All right, next we have Pete, bad guy. I'm a bad guy. Why? <laughs> Why? Uh, inkable five drop three four quests for two has ward and has two abilities. First one is take that. Whenever you play an action, this character gets plus two strength this turn. And who's next? While this character has seven strength or more, he gets plus two lore. I gave this one a B. I think this card is similar to goofy daredevil to me because they're both the same cost inkability stat line quests for two but i think pete's ward might come into use more with the set two cards coming out because i feel like there are more interactions that he could avoid with his ward opposed to like if he were to have had evasive yeah i am gonna give this a b as well there could be a really sweet action deck with P and the new Minnie Mouse Diver that's in Ruby, but I, it's it's the same thing with Pain. Like you're making his strength better, but then you're not taking advantage of that in the way that like seven strength matters. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're not challenging with it, and if you are challenging with it, then you're just not getting the the lore from it. So there's some tension there. I mean, it can be really powerful. I'm just not sure it will be. I'm going to give it a, you know what? I'm going to give it a C. All right, next we have Prince John, greediest of all. It is an uninkable three-cost character, a one-two, quest for two, has ward, and it has I sentence you. Whenever you, whenever your opponent discards one or more cards, you may draw a card for each card discarded. What do you think, Dana? I struggled with this one just because for an uninkable three cost, he'd just die to grab your sword. I could see him being used in certain deck archetypes, though. Obviously, one that is built around being like a discard archetype. But 
I gave him in like a BC because I think, I know that you probably think he's good. Well, actually, before we argue a little bit, what grade did you give? <laughs> I'm going to give him an A. I think he is probably the reason to play the discard deck. Again, just like Bucky, he's like an enchantment to me. Yeah, He's just going to sit and play. The next turn, you follow this up with You Have Forgotten Me. Your opponent discards two cards and you draw two cards. That is such a big swing. And there are other cards besides You Have Forgotten Me that this works really well with. Sudden Chill, he can sing a song and do that. And then on top of that, he curves really well into... So if you go Bucky, Prince John, Flynn Rider, the new Flynn Rider, his own biggest fan... Your opponent discards a card because they because you played a Floodborne, then you draw a card because of Prince John's ability. And then, I don't know, like, there's just so many good curving out options, and the fact that your opponent can't deal with it through normal means means it's just going to be really annoying. See, I feel like I approach this card differently than you. When I was going through, I was obviously looking at our grading sheet and comparing A to C, like A, it might only fit into certain deck archetypes, but you build your deck around it. Whereas C, it would only fit into certain deck archetypes, but maybe not like obviously one that you're building around. And I guess I considered this one to not be one that you build around, but would just fit into a certain archetype. So that's why I was leaning more towards the C. I feel like you made a very good case for it to be something that you do build around for, though. So since I was on the fence of B and C, I'll at least bump up to a B. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I, I don't want to just be a bandwagoner. No, I get you. Yeah, I think if you're going to play the discard deck, this is the reason why. And it just works incredibly well in multiples as well you have two on board then you're kind of just going crazy and i, th I think it's going to be a very annoying card just <laughs> you just can't interact with it all right next queen of hearts quick tempered an uninkable two drop one two quests for two and has royal rage when you play this character deal one damage to chosen damaged opposing character i gave her a c i feel like there are other cards that we have already reviewed where it's interacting with characters that have damage already on them and we didn't think that it was consistent enough to be good and so I just put this one right into that category so honestly I should probably give her a d but I think I was being nice because it's my favorite color so I felt like I gotta be nice gotta be nice yeah I'm also gonna give this one a d they could have made her inkable and she would be decent they could have made her a 2-2, she would be decent. They could have made her ability deal one damage to any character, and she probably would have been really good in that case because she would pick off Lilo's and mm -hmm. Maleficent's Binder Times, but they just decided that they did not want this 2-drop to be too good, and uh, I'm okay with that, but they, they tweaked it so they made it too bad, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I just don't see it. Too inconsistent. Next, we have Radigan, Criminal Mastermind. He is a four-cost inkable, evasive, 4-1 that quests 4-2. What do you think? I'm really sad because I expected Radigan to have a better card than this. So I mean, I feel the art's like sweet. Look at that. The art is so beautiful. I feel like they just did him dirty on everything else, though. I struggled with this one just because he just has too squishy of a willpower 
If you look at other four drop evasive characters, they all have better willpower than he does. Tinkerbell, was, for example. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, he would die instantly to Big Tink. <laughs> like, when she gets played on the board. I mean, it's that squishy. I don't yeah. know. I just, for being a four cost, I would expect that kind of squishiness from like a one or two drop, not a four cost. Yeah, I mean, even the Emerald Tinkerbell from the first set right. is a two, three that just survives a lot of stuff so <laughs> yeah. survives grab your swords even yeah i'm gonna give this one a d i don't think you'll ever play it over the tinkerbell it's just see this is one that would really benefit from having ward because then you can't fire the cannons it uh you can't dragon fire it maleficent it what, whatever but because it's just so squishy it it's just gonna trade down with literally everything yeah it kind of makes me mad because He's such a cool villain, and this card is so sweet. Yeah. Ugh. <sighs> Sad. All right, next we have Ray, easygoing Firefly. What a hilarious-looking Firefly. <laughs> Inkable 5-drop, 3-3, three, three, quests for 3, and has Evasive. What did you give this? So, I'm going to give this one an A. I think it's really strong. It's going to be, because it's evasive and inkable, I think it has a lot of flexibility. It quests for three, so it's going to be right up there with Kuzco, except for instead of them challenging Kuzco and getting rid of their character, they just won't be able to challenge this, so this might get six lower. I think it's really strong. It being inkable is really powerful for this card. I... Gave it a B. I think I was a little harsh on it just because, I mean, he has fine stats for everything he's got going on. But I just think, like we said earlier, Emerald has a lot of powerful five cost characters. And I struggle seeing myself giving up a slot in my curve when I could have Cusco and Belle and Lucifer. Not saying I'd maybe play all four of those just because they're all uninkable and he's not. But I don't know. I would... I would consider this in the right deck, but like I said, I it has a lot of competition. It does, yeah. And that's with every five-cost card in this color, apparently, which is kind of unfortunate. I'm starting to think that like some Sapphire deck that plays one jump ahead and Mickey Mouse Detective, mm -hmm. like just playing all of these really powerful five cost cards a turn early and because you have mickey mouse and one jump ahead you don't necessarily need a bunch of inkables because they're gaining you ink anyway those two cards are gaining you ink anyway uh that might mean that you can play a lot more of the uninkables and it just accelerates you a lot so that's something that i might be looking into as well all right, next we have the Queen. Disguise Peddler is an unequal three cost two three with the ability a perfect disguise. You exert her to choose and discard a character card from your hand and you gain lore equal to the discarded character's lore. I'm, I'm going to give this a C tentatively. I recognize that this could go terribly wrong for me because just if you can protect this thing and it just shoots out like brave little tailors and just domes you for four two <laughs> turns in a row you could lose but the fact that it doesn't quest by itself and it's kind of a bad body and like you're discarding cards so you're losing that resource right you're not able to 
like if you were to play BLT, you can't quest multiple times with it. It's a one and done. Yeah. Like you're, you're, mm. yeah. Yeah. And then it's uninkable. I think it has a lot of things going against it. Again, this could prove to be a really powerful and good card, but I'm, I'm not there yet. Yeah, I gave it a D. <laughs> I just don't think it's very good, like, for the reasons that you all covered. I think if a character can't quest, it better have another ability that is powerful enough for me to still want to play it like Maui. This card is just, by it being uninkable, small-statted, its ability is just, I don't think, good enough for me to want to waste an uninkable slot on in a color that already has a bunch of good cards that are uninkable. For sure. So, I mean, and like I kind of interrupted you with during your turn, but if you were to just play a high questing character, you might be able to get more than just one quest out of that anyway. But with this one, you're just doing a one and done and it seems like a waste of cards for me. Yep. You could have Cheshire Cat quest with it. Then they trade their character into it. You get two lore, you trade characters and it's an equable card and that might just be better. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, down to our last two characters before we get into our actions and items. We have Tiana, True Princess, another five drop. <laughs> uh, inkable one, though. Five, three, quest for three, vanilla. What did you give this one? I, I'm i just going to make this quick and say that I gave this one and the next one both Ds. They're very similar cards. I don't think either are better than any of the other five cost characters that we've talked about. So I'm never going to play them. Mm -hmm. I gave this one a BC. Well, we can make it quick too. Um, Gave this one a BC. I don't think it's too bad. I'm just nervous about it being a little too squishy on the willpower side. I gave Verana the next one, uh, Inkable 5 drop, 5-5, quest for 2. I gave this one a B only because it is exactly like Honey Wizard of Amethyst, which I also gave a B on. So... I just wanted to keep it the yeah. same. <laughs> yeah, I get you. All right, next. Um, and again, I gave Verona a D as well. Same reason, too many five drops. Just not as good as the other ones, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Next, we have Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. It is a three-cost action song that is uninkable. It says, return chosen character of yours to your hand to play another chosen character with the same cost or less for free. So... This is a really interesting one, and that can lead to some really powerful lines of play. And I think Mm -hmm. the more sets that are released and the more Floodborne characters that are released, the more powerful this one's going to become. I'm not sure that we have enough there yet to make it really, really strong, but um, I'm excited to brew with this one in the future. Mm -hmm. So what'd you give it? I'll... You got to give me a grade. <laughs> I, I know. I, I, want, I, I didn't want to, though, just because... Um, I'm not letting you sneak by. Right now, I think it's a C, but I realize that it could be an A in a year. I gave it an A. I actually kind of like this one because I think it's a nice way to, like, quest your challenge and then play another one to the board immediately and do something with that one, too, because that one doesn't have to dry. Plus, it's a song, so obviously you could sing it. It gives me the same vibes as the new Amethyst cards. And we've seen a couple of those in action and they can be pretty annoying to deal with because they're just either challenging or questing with those, obviously bouncing and then doing a, playing a whole nother one. So 
I already see the the usefulness out of those and I feel like this one kind of gives the same vibe. So that's what, why I gave it an A. Yeah, I get you. What do you think like the the best case scenario is for this card? Like what's the most powerful thing you can do? All right. So I am not going to take credit for this, but I saw someone put it online. So let's just say you're using this with an, the Amber deck. You play the one cost queen, then turn two, you shift her for mm -hmm. two, and she's a five cost character. And then let's just say you get lucky and you sing this with that five cost character and boom, you get Cusco on turn two. Cusco on turn two. You think that's the... I mean, that, 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 I mean is, that, would, that is powerful, right? You would have to obviously, you would obviously have to be very lucky and have that in your starting hand mm -hmm. or within your first draw or two. But things like that, like interactions with like that, I think could be pretty nasty. And yeah. we should just, this is one to keep an eye out for, sorry. Yeah, no, no, like that. So the one I was thinking of was like a stitch new dog on turn one, lantern on turn two, shift, stitch on turn three seeing this and then oh i don't know there's probably a how do you put down genie on the job or something which could be mm -hmm. a huge tempo swing or maybe you put down beast relentless something like that so maybe maybe there's a emerald amber deck with stitch the queen and maybe some other shift cards that are kind of cheaper just to give it that redundancy. Mm -hmm. My only concern is what happens if you don't draw Bibbity Bobbity Boo, you know? Right, yeah. Or if you just draw Stitch and the Shift Queen and you can't ever shift anything. Like, Yeah, it's definitely I, niche. Yeah, it could be really powerful. I just don't know if all the pieces are there yet. Uh, next we have Bounce, which is an action to cost an inkable return chosen character of yours to your hand to return another chosen character to their player's hand. What do you think, Dana? I give this one a C. I think it will take a deck that is built around bouncing and is designed to deal with this card to make it playable. Yeah, this is one that seems like it should fit really well into the Amethyst mm -hmm. Emerald deck we were talking about earlier. Right, bouncing one of the Merlins that have really good enter, enter the play abilities and then bouncing your opponent's character can give you some like tempo and give you some extra cards or extra lore depending on which Merlin you're bouncing. Or maybe you bounce uh, Lucifer, then you get your opponent's... Like imagine this, imagine this. Your opponent has no cards in their hand, right? And you have a Lucifer in play. You bounce their like one their best character to their hand with this and you bounce the lucifer back to your hand mm -hmm. then you play the lucifer then they have to discard the character they just bounce back to their hand like this is kind of niche it's not inkable so it's not very flexible i could definitely see it being like a two of in some decks so i'll give it a c mm -hmm. all right next we have hypnotize an inkable three drop action each opponent chooses and discards a card draw a card i give this one like an A, B, probably an A. I should just because it's inkable, so it's pretty easy not to just have that in there. But you're basically getting double card advantage because you're taking one away and adding one to yourself. So I think that's just really strong. Yeah, there aren't that many two-for-ones that are this cheap in Lorcana. Like, friends on the other side's 
the most comparable thing to this. Right. I mean, it's obviously better as a song. Mm-hmm. I do like this one. The The biggest issue with that is that you can't develop the board the turn you play this. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of fall behind on turn three if this is your plan. But definitely in combination with some of the other discard effects, uh, those really start to stack up. And it could be pretty good, especially the Prince John or something in play. So yeah, I, I'm going to give it a B. Cool. All right, next we have Improvise. Chosen character gets plus one strength this turn. Draw a card. It's a one-cost inkable. So I had to look at this card's line of text kind of in two ways. I think the first half of that, that Chosen character gets plus one strength during this turn, if it were to have just been that, I would have given this a D because it's just not powerful enough. But the card draw ability, anytime you can get ahead of cards than your opponent, I think that's strong and it's a cheap one cost. So rather than a D, that second half of the line of text is making me bump it up to at least a C. Yeah, I think if you're playing the Pete Minnie Mouse deck, this could probably be one of the better cards in your deck just because it's a cheap cantrip, which is another way of saying it's a one cost card that draws another card Mm -hmm. so there's def like i think you have to have a reason to play this card in your deck whether it's p mini mouse i anything that is action based in order to really want this card so uh i'll give it a c as well Alrighty. next we have pack tactics a inkable four drop action gain one lore for each damaged character opponents have in play what did you give this one i'm gonna give this one a d like, the the biggest issue is that when you're damaging your opponent's characters, like, you're trying to finish them off because the worst thing that can happen is it if you don't finish them off mm-hmm. and then they just say, well, Rapunzel, I'm probably winning now. So just the way the cards line up in Lorcana, you really have to challenge to banish your, opposing, your opponent's characters. And while this could work well with something like grab your swords because that can deal mm-hmm. a lot of damage like or big it, tink or big tink so what this card is good against and i'm sorry if this is gonna be long-winded but what this card is really wanting to play against is a bunch of cheap small characters mm-hmm. because like that's the only way you're going to get enough lore from this card in order for it to be good is if you gain five lore from this card right mm-hmm. and i feel like the only way that you would be able to do is play against like you said a deck with a bunch of cheap cost characters but probably pair it with pair the emerald with steel yeah but the issue with if your opponent has a bunch of cheap cost characters they all die to grab your swords and tinkerbell anyway that's so true so <laughs> like you're not even getting like they're all just gonna die so you're not gonna be able to play this card for its full effect mm-hmm. so what you really need to have happen is for your opponents to have like four mid-sized characters in play that are damaged and i feel like if that's happening then you're probably just losing and this isn't going to help you win those games <laughs> that's so true what might what might is the next card but again still kind of niche ring the bell it is an action inkable 3 drop where you banish chosen damaged character I gave the last one a C. I could see this one being a B, C. Because again, like you said, we probably won't see a lot of characters just chilling on the board with damage on them. But I did have to give Emerald a little credit because 
yeah, there is a little bit of a contingency to it, but this is like our first time seeing a actual like straight, well, I shouldn't say straight removal because it's not straight removal, but it's a removal. So what'd you give it? I'll give it a C. I can, because it's inkable, I can see some Emerald decks playing a copy or two of these. I don't think it's going to be consistent enough to play four of, but it is definitely a tool that will be used in some decks, I think. Mm -hmm. All right, and our last card. It is Radigan's Marvelous Trap, a three-cost uninkable item that has Snap, Boom, Twang. Banish this item, each opponent loses two lore. What do you think, Dana? I don't. I could be really wrong on this. I gave it a C. I could see this getting splashed in a couple of decks, but I don't think it's good enough to play all four of. Especially because Emerald has so many uninkables already. Yeah, if there is like some item that comes out where you can like maybe pay two and return an item from your discard pile to your hand or something like that mm-hmm. so you can keep doing this, yep. then I could see this card getting played, but... Just having a three-cost card that makes your opponent lose two lore isn't enough, Mm -hmm. but we saw this with, like, Aladdin Heroic Outlaw. If you can do that two or three times, that really adds up and it slows your opponent down significantly, Mm -hmm. but you're going to have to figure out a way to do that from just having one of these in play. Like, it's too expensive, and I don't know, like, just drawing, like, three of these probably feels really bad because they're not inkable, so it's not that flexible. We This one could get there. I think it just needs some help. For sure. All right. So, Radigan's Marvelous Trap ends the podcast. Yep. Dana, it was really fun doing your favorite color with you. <laughs> Ditto. I definitely have my eye on some. I can't wait until we get our booster boxes this week, because I hope to open up some of these that I really want to add to my deck. So... Man, I'm going to play the discard deck and just, you're going to be so mad. Don't do that to me. I'm just kidding. Don't make this not fun anymore. (laughs) Not my play style. All right. Well, next episode, we are going to be continuing and going down the line and covering the Ruby cards. So I know you tend to like Ruby. I don't know if it is your favorite. I think that one's my favorite color. I love Maui, love Maleficent. So I'm really excited for this one. You love to dragon fire me, that's for sure. I love to dragon fire you, yep. (laughs) All right, so with that being said, we hope you guys enjoy this episode, and we hope you have a great week. Appreciate y'all.